fear. How many of you will agree that this is going to be a good year? Amen? God's got some good things in store for us. I saw a cartoon recently on social media that said, one guy said to another guy, what do you see coming? And he said, I think flowers are coming. He said, well, what makes you think that? Because I'm planting them. <laughs> uh, so let's make sure that we're planting some flowers uh, for for this year. As I said in the prayer, I got to see my uncle a couple of times over the holidays that you guys have been helping me pray about, Uncle John Ramsey. And uh, he's feeling pretty good, looking pretty good, and starts chemo, not this week, but the next. So if you'll keep him in your prayers, we'd really appreciate it um, as the Lord, we pray, will heal him completely. Amen? (coughs) Get out your sermon section. Let's get ready to study the Word of God together. I really pray... I don't know. I don't want to be one of those cynical people who just sort of talk like, you know, well, this is another year. It'll be gone. I want, to, I want us to see the new year as a time when we pivot towards some very good things. Amen? A time when really good things are happening. And I see this message today. I'm really excited about it. In fact, you're going to be surprised. I only have two pages of notes today. Man, talk about beating the Baptist to the food bar. You should get there early today. How many think that has anything to do with how long I preach? Yeah. A couple of pages. I will try. I don't know if I made a resolution. I'll try to preach shorter sermons to you in in honor of your shrinking uh, attention span. (laughs) But remember, the foundational passage for this series is, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon on you. Learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And will give you rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is the foundational passage for all I'm going to be talking to you about in this series. And today I want to talk to you about how we don't need to be anxious when trouble comes because the Holy Spirit will compensate for our weakness. The Holy Spirit will compensate for our weakness. So do not be anxious because the Spirit will compensate for you. Here we are in Mark 13, and I could have used other passages, but I just chose this one. It's more succinct to deal with the the issue here of anxiety in times of upheaval. And he says, Jesus said, when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, what's those next words? Do not be anxious. You see, that's what led me to that passage. I was doing searches on anxiety, anxious, troubled, worry. So when he says, when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious. Now, he's talking about in the context of a world falling apart. Talking about the context of perhaps the end times. Do not be anxious beforehand what you should say, but say what is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Now, if you get in the context of this, Jesus is saying there will be times when the temple will collapse. There will be times when the world will be coming apart at the seams. There will be times, uh, shall I venture out on this limb? He said that in the context, he said there will be times when your family members will turn against you. And they all went, what? Can, Can you imagine that having a... A family member turn against you, having a sibling or 
or a parent or someone turn against you. And in that context, perhaps even people you've been praying for will persecute you, he's saying. And in that, he said, when you're in that environment, you will be given an opportunity to speak. And don't worry about what you will say. Just be prayed up. This is my paraphrase. Just be prayed up. And when the time comes to speak, you're going to open your mouth to speak. And the Holy Spirit is going to speak through you. Isn't that wonderful? The Holy Spirit is going to start talking. And you'll go, wow, I didn't know I was that wise. I didn't know I was that good. I didn't know I could talk like that. And the Holy Spirit will say, you didn't. Don't take credit for this. I just spoke through you. Here's a question I have for you. Now, I'm going to take that and sort of, sort of extrapolate out into various areas of life here. Here's a question I want to pose to you. Could it be, based on the principle established here, that the plan of God for your life at times could cause anxiety? Could it be that the plan of God for your life can make you anxious and nervous? Have you ever stood at the brink of obeying God so scared you thought you were going to be sick? Come on. You see, this real comfortable stuff, where everything is predictable and there's no need to really branch out and stretch out and get out of your comfort zone, I'm convinced that's not God's will for your life. You know? I'm convinced that God's will for your life at times is going to scare you to death. Can I get a witness? (laughs) There's going to be times when God's going to say, I want you to talk to Him about me, and you're going to go, what? Him? Her? It's going to scare you to death. God's going to say, I want you to make a transition in your life. And you go, are you kidding me? I can't do that. I would even go so far as to say that God's plan for 2019 at times is going to take your breath away. And they all said, (laughs) it's going to be tough at times. At times, the world is going to seem like it's falling apart, Jesus said, but don't worry. God's will can be extremely, are you listening? God's will can be extremely intimidating. In fact, I'm going to go out a little further on that limb and say, if God's will for your life is not intimidating, I question that you found God's will for your life. I think God's will for your life is going to push you out there, out of your comfort zone. It's going to scare you so much you're going to say, oh, God, you've got to help me. Amen. You're going to have to come through for me or I am sunk. Now, let's take about, we're only going to do the first point in your bullet. I decided that last night, but you have extra stuff there if you want to work ahead, which is impossible since I have the notes. So just take it easy. Uh, How to find peace in the pressure of God's will. How to find peace in the pressure of God's will. So God said, there's going to be times I'm going to scare you to death, but I don't want you to be scared to death. There's going to be times when my will is going to take you out of your comfort zone, but I want to comfort you while you're out of your comfort zone. That's what's called paradoxical wisdom. (laughs) Paradoxical truth. 
There'll be times when you'll, you, it will take your breath away, but I want to give you your breath back. So here we go. How to find peace in the pressure of God's will. First of all, realize that God designed you to succeed in His work. Realize that God designed you to succeed in His life, in, in, in His will for your life. I was, I was made for this. I remember one time I was walking to double glass doors about to come in. There was another minister standing beside me. He had never preached a funeral before. And we were about to step through the doors and come in and pray. And this, this place was jam-packed. And it wasn't exactly a, a uh, I don't know if you know this, but funerals can be the hardest places to preach. Did you know that, Pastor Dustin? <laughs> because there's some people that are in church who never go to church and they don't want to go to church and they're just kind of sitting there heckling you without without heckling you but they're looking they're heckling you with their eyes they're going oh man you know and i remember we walked to the door i haven't lost my train of thought i looked over at the guy and he looked like he was about to flip completely out he was you know, I was nervous. I always get nervous. Funerals and weddings always make me nervous because I could really foul things up, you know. I was nervous, but this guy looked like he was about to hyperventilate. And, and, and I leaned over to him. I said, is this your first rodeo? And he said, yeah. I said, I'm going to tell you something I want you to always remember. We live for moments like this. When you are scared to death, because there's this huge opportunity in front of you, we're going to go out there in a moment and we're going to tell people about the cure for physical death. We're going to tell people the answer to brokenheartedness. Remember this. This is the kind of stuff we live for even though we are scared. Amen? God's will for your life ought to be very intimidating. Every once in a while you ought to say, Oh, my... My God, help me. I'm not using God's name in vain. I'm saying, God, my God, help me. Help me be sufficient for what you have called me to. You don't pray because you feel guilty. You pray because you want to survive. <laughs> I'm the only one that thought that was funny, but I'll laugh enough for You know what I mean? Sometimes you pray because you feel guilty if you don't have a good prayer life. Sometimes you pray because you're scared to death and you need God to come through for you. Realize that God designed you to succeed. You remember that Sunday a few weeks ago? It was in November when all the weathermen said it was going to be snowmageddon. Remember that? It was in November, wasn't it? Like the second Sunday in November. And they were predicting all kinds of terrible, terrible blizzard conditions, the worst blizzard in 50 years. Well, some of us showed up for church that day. Some of you wimpy ones didn't. A lot of you wimpy ones didn't. You know, in fact, I think there was a few people right here that morning. And uh, we went ahead and ch- went ahead and had church. I, I preached to the, uh, I call it that little bless me club that we had there. I, I preached to them and, and tried to pretend the place was full. I don't know. It's hard to preach to, to an empty auditorium. But I did my best to preach and all that. And, and we got through and looked out at noon and no snow. Ha ha. You miss church for no good reason, and I'm rubbing it in. But I said to my wife, I said, let's go get some lunch. We walked outside. It was starting to snow. It was starting to look a little ominous, and 
I said, let's go get some lunch. So we went over to Texas Roadhouse, the Holy Land. And, um, <laughs> you know, we went over to Texas Roadhouse. We, we went into the bar area. Don't take it too far. Just so we could watch the games on TV. And uh, we were watching the games, eating those rolls. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, uh, <clears throat> we, we were having those rolls and, and whatever it was. And we ate, and we sat there, and we watched the game, and we piddled around, and then we walked outside. And I said, oh, my goodness. The blizzard had hit in full force. The wind was blowing. There was two or three inches already on the ground, people sliding everywhere. And I thought, we've got to drive 10 miles out in the country now. And I looked at my wife and said, what were you thinking? <laughs> we should have grabbed Sonic and went home. You know, I know as, I, as, as, as we climbed up in to that Ram pickup <laughs> with the rough tires on it, 20-inch tires on it, I climbed up in there, pushed a button that said four-wheel drive, and my wife looked at me and she started praying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. She said, do you think we're going to be okay? And I said something. I said, this truck was built for this. <laughs> this truck was built for this. So we start crawling out of there. We go all the way home. Don't even turn the tire, tire pull into the driveway. We're home safely. Now, there's a point to that story. You are built for blizzards by God. You were designed for rough weather. You were designed to overcome great obstacles. Do you know what I mean? You were designed to fight the good fight of faith. Someday we will stand before God and God will say, let me see your scars. We will answer back, we don't have any. And the Lord will say, was there nothing worth fighting for? Was there nothing worth fighting for? I, friends, this downhill Christianity is not biblical Christianity. This going with the wind is not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity, we were designed to get into the muck and the mire of spiritual life and just somehow overcome everything that the devil throws at us. We were designed for blizzards. By God, we were designed for blizzards. Are you with me? Some years ago, his family started attending church, and I was kind of excited about them because they were one of those what I call matriarch and patriarch couples that it seemed like people kind of gravitated toward them. And so just by them being in church meant other people were coming to church, and it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. You know, I say, wow, to have the ring of influence that they have. I noticed that as my wife and I spent some time with them that, that she was, the matriarch was always telling me, I came out of a church, some, some difficult things happened, we were heartbroken, I came out of church, but I want you to know something about the church I came out of. I spent years under that minister, and he preached expository sermons. How many know what those are? 
Expository sermon is when you preach a passage, you don't skip anywhere else. You stay right there, verse after verse after verse. And she said he preached expository all the time, right down the line. She said he built a tremendous foundation of biblical truth. And she said, I stand on the foundation of years of week after week hearing expository preaching. So, well, that's great. Praise God. I notice after a little bit, they become more and more hit and miss. Hit and miss. And so, as the misses got a whole lot more than the hitting, I, I, was, I was talking to the matriarch one day, and I said, hey, what's going on? I haven't seen you guys. You, what, you know, you guys are influenced. You guys drift off. Other people, you know, you get what I'm saying? And she said, you know what I need, Pastor Jeff? I said, what's that? And she said, I need you to start doing a Saturday night service. I said, really? She said, yeah, we just don't do well on Sunday morning. I said, well, you know, 1030 does come awful early. I mean, God knows you don't get up before 1030 through the week, do you? I mean, you know, 1030 does come awful early in the morning. You know, I'm sure that your boss, now I didn't say this, only on the inside did I say this, you know. I'm sure that your boss doesn't ask you to be at work before 10.30 in the morning, but that's another story, you know. Are you guys enjoying this sermon yet? <laughs> your boss, you know, that, that is awful early. And, and we continued the conversation just saying, you know, we just don't get around. We just don't feel so good. We, we would like to come to church on Saturday night, get it over with, which that offended me, and, and sleep in on Sunday morning. And then I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit took over my mouth. I sure hope he did. Because I said, permission to speak as your pastor. Oh, certainly. Are you sure? Yes. So I've known you for this number of weeks and months. And you've told me many times how strong your foundation is because of your previous church. Why would God put a rock-solid foundation under someone who was dependent upon convenience? You get my point? I can't be faithful to the house of God because it's not convenient. It doesn't fit my schedule. Why would God build you to brave the blizzard and never send you into a blizzard? You know, the number one hindrance, I think. Wow, I'm, I'm waxing eloquent this morning, aren't I? The, I could be wrong about this, but it seems to me the number one reason that God's people don't know the, the Bible better is convenience. It's just easier to sit in front of the TV and, wa and binge watch than to open the Bible and learn something of eternal value. Amen? It, it's just easier. It's easier to wake up on Sunday morning when something's going to happen that's going to change you for time and eternity if you can get up and come on. It's just easier to lay there and let the day pass, isn't it? 
So we are designed to brave the blizzard, but we cannot withstand a sprinkle. It's amazing what a man will say under the anointing. God didn't design you for the easy stuff. He designed you for the tough stuff. Say amen. You weren't designed for the easy stuff. You were designed to slug it out in the trenches and come out on top. That's how you were designed. That's how the Holy Spirit designed you. You have the the message of God in your mouth. You've got the truth of God in your heart. You are designed to collide with opposition and burst right through it. Amen. Shall we get to point two now? <laughs> Number two, remember God has a vested interest in your success. God has a vested interest in your success. You get that note written in. Now listen to me very carefully. When our work for God is truly for God, He needs it to succeed. When our work for God is truly for God, He needs it to succeed. And without even being asked, He will go to work on that success. Isn't that great? When our work for God is truly for God, He needs it to succeed. And so without even being asked, He starts working on behalf of it. Listen very carefully. We need to forget about asking God to bless what we're doing, and we need to start doing what God is blessing. Amen. We need to stop worrying about asking God to bless, bless, bless this, and just start doing the stuff He is blessing. If we are walking in His plan and His will, I don't have to say, God bless this. He's already blessing it because it's His. Amen. It occurred to me last night when I was reviewing the notes that I never asked God to bless a sermon. I asked God to give me a sermon. And if He gives it to me, it comes pre-blessed because it's His. I can say, God bless this speech. <laughs> And he'll say, well, let me see. I don't know if I, I'll see about that. But when I have his message, it comes with his blessing. When I have his will, it comes with his blessings. Listen to me very carefully. We're talking about 2019 now and what's going to become of it. When we align ourselves with God's purpose, the Spirit is already elevating us to the place where we do it well Jesus said, do not sit around anxious about what you're going to say when the time comes. Open your mouth. The Holy Spirit will be there speaking through you. He didn't say pray that the Holy Spirit will come. He just said, just know the Holy Spirit's going to when you speak for me. Amen. Number three, recognize that God still controls out-of-control situations. Again, get in the context. Jesus said, this big old massive temple is going to come crashing down. Father will rise up against son, son against father, brother against sister, and all that kind of, all that kind of upheaval is going to be going. That's the context in which he said this. And in that, he said, I want you to know 
when everything looks like it's out of control. Have you ever been there? Well, the whole thing, your whole world seems to be spinning out of control and there's nothing you can do about it. God still controls out of control situations. So you can sit back in that situation and say, oh, Lord, I'm going to trust you here. You ever been in a situation where you're heading down the road? I'm doing a lot of automobile illustrations today, aren't I? You hit black ice, and all of a sudden you know you're not in control. You throw up your hands and say, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> right? Sometimes you have to do that in life. I have a theory. <laughs> Toby prides himself on being the first one to say that. I have a theory, and I want you to listen very carefully. It's, it's my theory. I could be wrong. It's not the word. It's my theory. We tend to take things out of God's hands when his hands are the only ones big enough to deal with the things we have taken out of his hands. Did that make sense? We tend to take things out of God's hands when his hands are the only hands big enough to take control of that situation. How many would like me to explain what I mean by that? Somebody over here? Anybody else? I'm going to anyway. I just would like your permission. Um, you're going through a very, very difficult situation, and you start avoiding God. In fact, if you looked real closely in the mirror, your bottom lip has rolled out. And you're just a little bit miffed at God for letting you go through that. Just look straight ahead. Don't flinch. We won't know it's you. So here you are in a situation that you cannot change. It is not. And so in response to that, you pray less. You trust less. You pout more. You avoid church more. You kind of take a step away from all the spiritual disciplines and you just say, when this is over, if there's anything left of me, maybe I'll get back in if God decides he loves me. Instead of saying, God, I've got a situation that is completely out of control. I can't fix this. I've tried. And now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray more about it. I'm going to press in. And it kind of always gets me as a pastor that there's something you see uh, continually is that when people need the fellowship of believers the most is when they go out and isolate themselves. When they should be finding a small group, when they should be plugging in more intimately with other men or other women who love Jesus, when they should be saying, hey, guys, hey, gals, gather in here, lock arms with me. I need your support. When they most need that, they run off by themselves somewhere and say, I wonder if anyone cares. I wonder if anybody misses me. I wonder, I wonder, wonder. When, when things are the most out of control, we tend to take control of them out of God's hands. If I want God to take my crumbling world and make some kind of cohesive unit out of it, when those times come, I've got to pray more. Not less. I got to lean on him more, not less. I got to press in to godly counsel and godly input more, not less. 
at least nod here, you know. Come on. I, I need spiritual discipline more than, than at any other time. Number four, respond uh, to the opportunities in faith. Jesus said the words will be given to us when the time comes. Listen. God is not going to split the sea till you step in it. Some situations are impossible. And they will only become possible by the methods of God. Take advantage of the opportunities that are given to you by faith. We need to take a different look. Dare to entertain the idea that what we've been doing didn't work, it won't work, and we'll just repeat what we've been doing if we don't let the Holy Spirit create a new way of dealing with our impossible situation. Please follow that. If we don't say, God, I have rammed my head against that wall a thousand times, and the only thing happening is I'm getting a bigger headache. Maybe you say, well, maybe we should stop ramming our head against that wall. Maybe a few feet down there's a door. Or maybe we can climb over it or dig under it or go around it. Or maybe you just need to get out of the way and let me knock it down. There is this image that Jesus painted. A world is falling apart. All of a sudden you get snatched up and set there and you get a chance to tell someone about Christ. And you speak. You know what worries me? (laughs) You know what worries me? What if someone never gets a credible witness from my life because I'm upset with them? What if someone never gets a good, clear message of the love and grace of Jesus because they ticked me off. That that worries me a little bit. Sometimes I have to say, Lord, that person over there rubs me the wrong way, infuriates me at times. I need a different heart for that person. I need a different way of approaching that person. It done went and got real, didn't it? (laughs) I know that was bad grammar. I did it on purpose. I need a different way of going at that. Sitting in my office one time, when Mark saw two pages of notes this morning, he said, this is going to be a Sunday of stories, isn't it? You know, Um, Sitting in my office one time, and there was a couple that had previous marriages in their past. And they were telling, asking me, what do I do? And they talked about how evil and wicked their exes were. 
and how vindictive and spiteful and mean their exes were. And, and I, I assume they were. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not denying that. I'm sure they were, you know, had 666 tattooed across their forehead. <laughs> I'm sure, you know. We know that your ex is Satan incarnate. We get that. Um, but I'm sitting there and I'm listening and they're telling me of this situation that happened and they're praying that there was a video camera because it involved some physical altercations that somebody was going to get in trouble for. And so I'm talking about, well, you think that visually that that camera saw what happened? So you can say, get the camera and you'll see that I didn't slap them after all. They slapped me, you know, you know I'm talking about that. And as, as we were talking about the legal ramifications of the altercation, it's jiggery, isn't it? I said, I, I would, one thing I would, I'd like you to do about this situation. Okay, okay. And I said, really, I, 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 don't get mad at me, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to start visualizing yourself at the end of the line and you're standing before the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment bar. And your ex is standing over there. And the Lord is going to ask you, what did you do to make sure she had a credible witness of the transforming power of Jesus Christ? What will you say to him that you did that helped that person have a credible opportunity to come to Jesus Christ. And then, as you can predict, I got a flood of... I say, I know, I get it. They are the devil. We got that. We've established that. We've established how wicked they are. But I said, you do realize that Jesus loves them. And I'll go you one better. He died on the cross for them. What would happen if you contacted your ex and you simply said, I'm sorry for the way I behaved the other day when I lost my temper. I did not behave the way a Christian should have behaved. And I really messed up my testimony. Will you please forgive me and believe me, I'll do my best not to make that mistake again. Could it possibly turn, because there was kids caught in the middle of this, literally a physical battle between exes. I don't know, I didn't plan on telling that story, but I'm sure you enjoyed it. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Is that if you keep approaching an impossible situation the way you've been approaching it, it's probably going to stay impossible. But if you would let the Holy Spirit speak to you and give you some new methods, come on, give you a new way of looking at this impossible situation. If you could picture yourself all the way at the end of the line, standing before God and the Lord saying, what did you do to represent me well to those situations? Who knows? All right, let's do the last one. Aren't you glad we're finishing after one point? Relegate your weaknesses to the category of irrelevance. Relegate your weaknesses to the category 
of irrelevance. Many years ago, my wife and I used to play and sing a little bit. Would you like us to do it today? I played the rhythm guitar, she played the piano, and we, but as soon as we could, we turned that over to other folks. Um, but we used to sing a song a hundred years ago called Lean On Me. I never forgot that. So many times it's come back to me where I used, we used to sing that song. He says, lean on me. He says, lean on me. If you're bound, I'll set you free. If you're weak, then victory. Just lean on me. Relegate your weaknesses to the category of irrelevance. Have you ever noticed that high stress comes into your life when you think your weaknesses are going to get exploited? You're going into a situation where you go, I don't do this well. I'm not good at this. And the anxiety level just surges up. God spoke to Moses and said, go, tell Pharaoh. And he said, I can't even speak. I've got a speech impediment. You want me to speak and I've got a speech impediment? What's wrong with you, God? Right? God said, I created your mouth. I got this. God sent the smallest man in camp against the biggest giant on the battlefield. Wow. What is he thinking? The chance of defeat is I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't. Some of you right now, without realizing it, in, in, the, in your heart of hearts, there's a chance. I can't. I can't put up with this. I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's the chance of defeat. And if you stay there with that chant, you're going to finish another year looking back and you're still going to have the same problems holding you back. But the motto of the victorious is he can. We go from I can't to he can. I can't speak plainly. He can. I can't kill giants. He can. I can't fix this. He can. God works with our availability, not our ability. God works with our availability, not our ability. I... I used to say a lot, I, I think I convinced you, but let me say it again in case I haven't. I am probably the most humble person you've ever met in your life. Bar none, I'm the champion of humility, right? And you think I'm kidding, but I'm really not because here's what I believe is Something happened, and I'm not blaming mom or dad or whoever, though they're to blame. <laughs> I grew up with a profound inferiority complex. It crippled me. It always made me look at who's better than me, more eloquent than me. All It, it, it crippled me. It, it, it caused so much anxiety. Anytime I'd be in a situation where I was supposed to shine for Jesus, I'd try to find a way to get to the shadows. I don't, didn't want to be there because in my mind I was going to make a fool of myself. 
And so one of the side effects is that is you don't really have a lot of trouble with pride. <laughs> you know, it, I joke and say, I've, I've never had a problem strutting around like I'm Mr. Know-it-all because deep inside there was a profound sense of inferiority. I'm not as good as you. I'm not as smart as you. I'm not, you know, I'm, I can't do what you can do. So one of the greatest messages I ever learned from Jesus was he's not after my ability. He's after my availability. He's not after what I can do. He's after what he can do through me. See? My inabilities are irrelevant. My inabilities are irrelevant. I can't sing very well. That doesn't matter. I have trouble keeping a beat. I watch around to see someone else clapping, and I try to get in. <laughs> you know? I'm as white as white gets. You know? I, I you know, I... I have all kinds of inabilities, and yet I believe that God can do some pretty good stuff through me. And it's not because I think I'm something special. It's I know he's something special. I know that he can take the smallest guy in camp and kill a giant. I know that. I know he can take a tongue-twisted speaker <laughs> and give him eloquence i know he can do that so i'm going to tell you something here and, and i'm going to wrap this up 2019 if it goes down as just another year in your boring life that nothing much gets accomplished for god i promise you it will not be because of what you couldn't do it will not be because of your inabilities it will be because of a limited availability where you have said, God, I'm going to give you a few times a month, about an hour and a half of my time. Other than that, I'm on my own. That is defeat. But if you say, God, there's a work I want you to do through me, I make myself available. However, can I tell you something? And I believe this is prophetic. I think this is right off the heart of God. There are people who should be sitting next to you in church learning about God. You have a connection to them. And when you move out of your comfort zone, you will move them into a life in Christ. Are they going to be sitting here next week, next month? by the end of this year? Are you going to play it safe and keep this pearl of great price, the gospel of Jesus Christ, hidden away? Are you going to be that bold, nervous believer who pierces the darkness? George Barna did a survey not too long ago. We're all quoting it because we're all it's blown away. That over 90% of unchurched people say they would come to church if a believer invited them and would go with them. 90%. What could you do 
if you're willing just to get a little bit nervous for Jesus, just to branch out of that comfort zone a little bit and say, in your spirit, your soul matters to me. Jesus died for your soul. I'm going to be a credible witness to you. I'm going to portray Jesus in a way that you will be attracted to him, certainly not repulsed by him. So here's the plan. Jesus said, don't be anxious. Speak, and the Holy Spirit will speak through you. That is your mandate. That's my mandate. It's time to get prayed up, walk in the Spirit, and start looking around to say, Lord, when do you want me to talk? When do you want me to say what needs to be said? How is this going to happen? I don't know. Am I getting way too fanatical here? As I was preparing uh, this message and, and reviewing it last night, I began to see in my spirit you guys beginning to multiply simply because you're willing to be a little bit nervous or a whole lot nervous for the cause of Christ. You were designed to conquer the blizzard. You were designed to crash through barriers. My Lord, please help us. You were not designed for convenience. You weren't designed to take the easy path. You weren't designed to just take what comes in. You were designed for conquest. You were designed so that when you get up in the morning and start getting dressed, the devil would start getting nervous. That's why you were designed. He'd be going, whoa, I wonder what they're going to do today. I wonder who they're going to touch today. I wonder who they're going to impact today. That he... Is having to take a Tums because you're on the prowl. That's God's plan for you. Will you stand with me, please? Let's bow our heads for a moment. Um, I, I'm not trying to be melodramatic, but man, I believe this Sunday is critical. I, I believe that the decisions we're going to make in the next few minutes, maybe the next few seconds, are going to remain forever. And the eternal future is going to be altered because you decided I won't serve convenience anymore. I won't take the easy path anymore. I was designed. I was designed to overcome the blizzard. I was designed to fight and win. I was designed to push back darkness, to prevail against the gates of hell. I was designed for that. And the tragedy of a convenient religion is that everybody around you that needs to know Jesus gets left out. Please. 
reject that religion and turn to Jesus in the full commitment to his work and his will. Father, I'm just asking you today that this will be a pivotal point, that there will be a turning in our minds. It's very easy, Lord, when life gets comfortable for us just to sit back and float along with the current. But I'm asking you, Father, help us rise up to fulfill our divine destiny. Help us get up, shake ourselves, and march forward. God, your sons and daughters stand before you today and they say, Lord, here am I, send me. Work through me. Redeem through me. Set free through me. Do a tremendous work through me. speaking to you. He's giving you names. He's revealing situations. He's giving you a new plan. He's filling you with purpose. You're going to do things you thought you could never do. As a dad, things you thought you could never do as a mom, things you thought you could never do as a husband, as a wife, as an employer, as an employee, as a son, as a daughter, as a friend, you're going to accomplish things that you could have never imagined by the power of the one who is in you. Father, seal this word to our lives and to our minds in the name of Jesus. Help us not forget about it. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I ask you, give them the faith right now to believe in their heart, confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and they will be saved. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Please hang on to this message. Take the notes with you. Pray over them. God's got a great plan for your year. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.